On this week of the Fantasy Fallout Podcast, Brendan and I will be breaking down the news, notes, and events from week one of the preseason. Then, we'll be going into round-by-round breakdowns of guys who we're targeting in fantasy football drafts, as well as discussing our over-unders for the fantasy football season and our strategies for Dynasty Leagues. Oh, and not to mention, we're joined by a very special guest. Stay tuned and be sure to listen until the very end. Welcome back to the Fantasy Fallout Podcast. This is the third recording that we're doing on August 18th. We are bringing another wonderful episode to you today. Brandon, how are we feeling? Week one of the preseason's over. Time flies so fast, Jake. I'm already worried about the end of the NFL season. I'm I'm always dreading the end of the NFL season. Uh, so very special episode. For everyone who listens today, we are being joined by very special friend of the podcast, Leo Hample. He is the person that has made our new logo. He's also a member of our home Dynasty League. He's very experienced in fantasy football. I would say, I would dare to say he's almost as good as we are, Brandon. Maybe, maybe. I, I don't throw that uh, that title around so easily, though. I don't either, I'm but... Super excited to have Leo. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't go as far as to say that I'm as I'm as good as either of you two. But hey, I'm really excited to be here and uh, be able to join you guys for for uh, this episode. Perfect, jam packed episode today. We got news. We have viewer questions, including some that came via the email. So very exciting about that. Uh, we got our over unders. We have our dynasty strategies. And then we're going round by round, picking guys through the draft that we're looking forward to really getting in on our teams. And again, huge episode. So let's get right into it, Uh, starting with the news. Uh, Quite a few pieces of news came out in the preseason. We're going to only really go over a couple of these. The obvious biggest one that came out this morning was that Deshaun Watson and his legal team did reach a settlement. We had said on the podcast, we weren't really sure what was going to happen with this. I had thought he was going to get a year. I thought the the NFL, they had appealed. I really thought it was going to get to that appeal process and that they were going to be able to rule on that. I know based on the reports that they were looking for at least a year and indefinite suspension. Uh, but instead, Deshaun gets 11 games and a $5 million fine. He has to go to therapy. It is mandated by the league. He has to get a psychiatric assessments. And the funniest thing is that, and maybe this was planned, his first game's back is in Houston against the Texans. <laughs> I'm not drafting Deshaun Watson, uh, both for moral reasons, just for the fact that he's playing six games. And you can't count on that. I, I wouldn't draft him anyways. But Brandon, for the people who would consider drafting Deshaun based on this news, where do you think he's going to go? Yeah, so I think that he's probably only genuinely worth drafting in leagues where two things happen. One, you have multiple IR spots 
and two suspended players are eligible for IR slots. Um, if you, or maybe like if you had a league with super deep benches, but if a guy's out for 11 weeks, there's almost no chance that an active fantasy manager is going to be able to keep them on the bench for 11 weeks. You know, the, the waiver wire fever is going to step in at some point and you're going to drop Deshaun Watson. And then that means it was a wasted draft pick. Um, so I'd only really be looking to draft him in leagues with huge benches or leagues where you can put him on the IR. Um, but if one of those two things are true, then I think he's like not a terrible pick in like the 13th round or so. Um, if it was like a no IR situation, maybe like the 17th round. Um, but, but I would not be using any sort of premium picks where you can get a real contributor. Yeah, you know, that's an that's an interesting point, Brandon, because my team, I had a team last season that was pretty deep in the wide receiver category, tight end category, good enough backfield to get me to the postseason. But then I'm I'm stuck with who was it, Mitch Trubisky and and uh and Mac Jones as my number one and two quarterbacks in a league with a super flex. Now, in a league like that, you know, drafting Deshaun Watson 13 could certainly make sense just to just to if you think you're going to make that late late season push and and be in a, a playoff spot as I would guess most people do when they're drafting um having an extra boost at the quarterback position if you don't want to take a quarterback early and you just want some guys who can kind of get you there it could be a perfectly reasonable strategy it's definitely interesting I'm very interested to see where he goes big news out of New Orleans as well. Alvin Kamara, we, we had talked, we were terrified of the prospect of a midseason suspension like Zeke had gotten. Apparently, that is not likely to happen. Even if the court case does go through late September, then the NFL would have to go through the appeals process. That could take months to gather the data. Adam Schefter, the sources out of New Orleans are saying the suspension is likely to happen in 2023. So this is big news. Kamara was getting drafted in the late third at some point. He's getting drafted right now in the middle of the second. I know in our FFPC draft that we're doing this weekend, Brandon, I will be targeting Alvin Kamara with my second round pick. I'll be picking eighth. So he's going right around there. Uh, this to me, the teams that had drafted Alvin Kamara round three, Congratulations. You just won your league based on that. Uh, that's kind of the upside based on like drafting earlier with these type of news things that come out where it's a gamble. But at the same time, there was that risk that he was going to get that suspension. And if you did not have him, it, it seems as though that you would have lost out. That's a bet that people made. The people that bet on Kamara won this season. But next season, for Dynasty owners in particular, uh, for example, myself, Kamara is going to be going into his age 28 season. He's going to be suspended at least six games. So it's concerning for a Dynasty format, for his trade value. But for redraft this year, I'm absolutely thrilled if I'm a Kamara owner and I got him in the third round or if I get him in the second round because he's special. He's a guy that I project within my top three running backs 
based on everything going on in New Orleans, the uncertainty there, the fact that he's really the only established star in New Orleans and the offense has run through him the past couple of years. It, it seems likely that Kamara is going to be an RB1. And that's just how it how it happens. He's a value right now. I'm assuming he's going to climb up the draft boards in the future. Leo, Brandon, any thoughts on that? Yeah, no, I, I certainly like him. I think he's going where he belongs now in the middle of the second round. I certainly wouldn't mind him in the beginning of the second round. Um, there are definitely concerns with the uh, you know, Saints losing Sean Payton and how that will affect him. Um, as well as the Saints losing Toronto Armstead, that offensive line could be a lot worse. Um, I'm not really sure how offensive line dependent Kamara was. He wasn't really like the hit the hole kind of guy. He kind of did it all by himself, but um, I'm sure that it doesn't really help him. So, um, yep, I'm totally cool with him in the second round. I think he's a fun pick. He deepens the running back position a little bit, um, but because he's going so early, it's not really – doing anything that would alter your draft strategy. He's just like another option in the second round. Yeah, I would echo what Brandon said there. I, I think, I don't think second round would be an undervaluation of him. I think, I think mid to late second round, early third round is probably where he belongs at this point uh, with all of the uncertainty surrounding him, as Brandon said, but, but if you can get him there, if he's there middle second round, uh, early third round, especially if you haven't gotten a uh, running back yet, then by all means, he's definitely a solid RB1 option for for, for most teams, I'd say. Quick question for you, Leo. You're a Derrick Henry owner. I, I want to get your opinion on this. Uh, Derrick Henry, at his ADP, so about 7, 8, or Alvin Kamara at his ADP. So like middle of the second round, who would you rather have? Yeah, that's an interesting question you asked, Jake. I think uh, later this episode, I'm going to talk about draft strategy that I, that I that I just came across that I think is pretty interesting. I think uh, I would probably take Kamara mid to late second over Henry first round. I think unless you're getting Taylor, maybe Eckler first round, I would consider going wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver, tight end, and then shoot for a running back fourth or fifth round. I know that's definitely not a common strategy, especially on here. I know, Jake, you're definitely an RB heavy drafter, but I think uh, there's certainly some uh, value and intrigue, in, in my opinion, in the uh, zero RB strategy, especially like Brandon has said, in a, in a RB class that seems like it's going to be pretty deep. Yeah, and looking at the round-by-round round rankings that we're using, I can see some merit in that. If you can get, like, Josh Jacobs, uh, J.K. Dobbins, round four, round five, definitely building out an elite wide receiver in a tight end core is a viable strategy. Now, you know, for me, I think that's a little risky, but it, it's it's more viable this year, I think, than it has been in recent years. Uh other news, James White retired. I think that's only good news for Ramondre. He's he's getting the two-minute drill work. He's getting the passing down work. Uh, look out for him. If he starts to eat into Damian Harris's workload, that could be a steal in the later round of your draft. 
Nikhil Harry, he is out for eight weeks with an injury. This did not really affect anything. Uh, we all know that Cole Komet and uh, Darnell Mooney are the top two targets on the Bears' offense. Uh, Kenneth Walker has a hernia issue. Watch this one. Uh, that could mean that Rashad Penny is the only person in the backfield. This seems like a Tampa Bay Bucks situation. We had talked about that earlier. Uh, two other, I think, impactful pieces of news. Jamison Williams is out for week one. The Detroit Lions coaching staff did confirm that. And if you had watched the Detroit Lions preseason game, uh, Amin Ra dominated the targets. He's He got two on one drive, and he uh, he got 30 yards of receiving out of that. Uh, there's, I think, zero reason not to think that even with Jamison coming back, that Amin Ra will not be the alpha on this offense. He's he's just so good. I mean, I, I implore the people listening here, watch Amin Ra's film. He's, I think he's really something else. Even on this podcast, his rookie season, we were saying he probably should have been taken higher. Uh, fourth round pick, he's in the perfect situation. I'm interested to see. The Lions offense looked really good in the preseason. And we're going to get to the preseason takeaways that we have in a minute. Uh, is there a way that Jamison Williams can get at least wide receiver two production with the three top tier talents that they have in Detroit in Amon Ra, TJ Hawkinson, and DeAndre Swift? Because those guys are established. They looked great in the preseason on the one drive that the Lions offense ran. It's very clear that it's going to go through those three guys in Detroit. I mean, DeAndre Swift, a great touchdown to cap off that drive. Amin Ra, obviously, continuing his dominance. And then TJ Hawkinson is just a force. So, Leo, Brandon, any way that rookie Jamison Williams is able to carve out a significant role here with these established, I don't want to say superstars, but borderline superstars in Detroit that are coming up? Yeah. Um, so I am definitely a, a very big fan of Jamison Williams. Uh, being a, a college football watcher, it's pretty hard not to be. Um, in my opinion, he, if he was healthy, he would easily have been the first wide receiver taken in this past draft class. Um, so like, as much as I like Aaron Ron, like I, I, I agree with you, Jake, he's incredibly talented. Uh, I think if Jamison Williams comes back, you know, week eight-ish, um, and he's healthy, then he will become the most talented receiver on the field. And, you know, Amon Ra should still be more productive just because of his, uh, like, shorter um, shorter depth of target kind of production um, and his rapport with Jared Goff. But I do think that Amon Ra's, like, upside come fantasy playoff time will be pretty significantly reduced by having Jamison Williams also on this offense, plus the fact that they're probably wanting to be a run-first offense in the first place. Um, so do love Amon Ra, but I think he could be somebody that starts off really hot and then you are looking to cash in on via trade, um, you know, five or six weeks into the year. Yeah, I would think, uh, you know, teams don't typically have a big four. So I, I don't think it's like 
you know, Amon Ra's there, and then Jamison Williams, come, Jamison Williams comes back, and he gets really good numbers in as the number two wide receiver on that team, especially, as Brandon said, when they're trying to run the ball first. TJ Hawkinson's are already a top passing option for Goff. Um, so I think I, I think you you don't really get top production you don't really get good production out of both those guys but but uh, but when he does when Williams does come back it, it certainly certainly will be be interesting I don't know I don't know what history has really told us about wide receivers coming back mid season especially rookie wide receivers coming back mid season but uh, I think I think I would guess this year Jameson Williams is not not impact player, not to say that for a dynasty league, he won't be, but, but I would guess Amon Ra is the guy there. Uh, TJ Hawkinson's the guy there. Jameson Williams will be, might have a hard time working his way into getting reps from God. I think the most interesting outcome here is if Jameson Williams comes back and he looks like he did in college and they have Amon Ra, who's clearly just a target hog and the guy that Jared Goff is looking for absolutely everywhere. We might see TJ Hawkinson lose a lot of value. I, I, I can see that Jared Goff has supported two top tier wide receiver options at the fantasy position before. Uh, and he doesn't exactly have a great history with the tight ends comparatively. So maybe that's the outcome. It's going to be very interesting to see though. And it's going to be interesting to see when Jamison Williams is back. A final piece of news before we get into our preseason takeaways real quick and then the viewer questions. Uh, James Robinson has just been announced as a week one starter for the Jacksonville Jaguars. What an unbelievable comeback. Uh, my love for James Robinson is very well known. Uh, my, uh, my The fact that I despised the Travis Etienne pick by the Jacksonville Jaguars is also well-known because they had James Robinson. Uh, you have Doug Peterson coming out and saying, James Robinson's a starter. Uh, we think he's going to be healthy. We think he's going to be ready to go. Uh, he's he's going to be the guy week one. I, I guess the only question is, uh, what does this do to Travis Etienne's draft value? Because I would imagine he's not going to keep going in the third and the fourth round with this news. Um, I am uh, kind of questioning your, your news source here, Jake. I'm going to call you out on the pod. Um, the, the most recent quote I have from, from Doug Peterson is, it's the expectation that we have James Robinson ready for week one. So I, yep. I agree that he's I going mean, to be ready for starting week one. That does not mean that he's starting with one. So, you know, he'll be ready for week one, but I think people at this point expected that um, Travis Etienne would be going much higher if James Robinson wasn't ready for week one, and I think he'll settle in as a fourth-round pick um, where he could definitely be your running back one in a, you know, zero RB sort of build or running back two or even three in a more RB-heavy build. Um, and there's still plenty of upside with James. For with, with Travis Etienne, he's, he's incredibly talented, um, and I think you'll, you'll come to realize that pretty quickly this season when James Robinson is only getting, like, you know, nine – carries and no receptions because he's part of a committee and he's coming off a torn Achilles. There is no shot that James Robinson gets nine carries a game. Maybe if this was Urban Meyer coaching this team, but this is Doug Peterson and he actually knows what talent looks like. Doug Peterson does like to pass. I think there's probably only going to be like 21-ish 
maybe 24 carries per game for the Jaguars. So, so who is to say that James doesn't get like 14 or 15 of those? Gets like two to three targets a game. Then ETN gets like eight to nine carries and four to five targets. I think that's a very realistic. It's possible. Um, I think I don't see a lot of reason for James Robinson to get receptions this year. Um, you know, historically he has gotten them, but he has not been good once he has gotten them. And Travis Etienne is expected to be, you know, among the best in the league in that role. And it turns, it might, it's, we've never seen him, you know, it's possible he's actually not good, but the expectation right now is that he, he will be a very dynamic pass catching option for a team that doesn't really have very many of those. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I'm just concerned about Etienne. We haven't seen him in NFL game action. Uh, all it is is talk of potential where, quite frankly, we've seen James Robinson perform. Uh, so I, I, don't, I don't know. I would assume he would be the week one starter. They're saying they're expecting him back week one. They're excited to have him back. They may run a two-back two committee there. They may run a lot of 21 or 20 formation as well where they're having both out on the field at the same time. Uh, they may do what Washington did last year, where they had ETN almost exclusively in third downs and James in for first and second with the occasional third down. So you could see value for both of them. But if it's me, I'm much more comfortable taking James Robinson in the 10th round than I am Travis ETN in the fourth. I guess we'll see. We'll have to do. Maybe we'll do. Uh, we'll add it to the bet list, Jake. We're go- we're gonna have to add that one. I'll take uh, more more week one carries for Travis Etienne than James Robinson. <laughs> Absolutely, that is not gonna happen. <laughs> Doug has said James Robinson is a starter when he comes back. He said that they're expecting him back week one. James is a starter. I, I, we'll add that one to the list. All right, preseason takeaways. Uh Leo, what is your biggest preseason takeaway here before we get into our viewer questions? Um, biggest preseason takeaway is that uh, Drew Locke should probably be more careful in public places and might have just lost his job as starting quarterback to Geno Smith. That might be my biggest preseason takeaway. Uh, how could you be so dumb? He's probably the only starting quarterback that Drew Locke could have beaten out for a job in the league but he gives up his opportunity by getting COVID and blowing his chance to start preseason game two. Now, maybe he'll get a chance to start preseason game three, but as a Drew Locke owner myself, uh, I am not overly confident in uh, the prospect of him starting week one this year. You know what, Leo? I really admire you right now because you said you were a Drew Locke owner with an honest smile (laughs) on your face. Uh, We actually have a viewer question about QB battles in the NFL right now. One that actually came in as we were recording this podcast. Uh, Real quick before we get to those, though, my preseason takeaway is the Eagles look really, really, really good. And despite CBS uh, and the graders saying Jordan Davis looked terrible, he took on three offensive linemen at a time every single play. And it was a revelation to watch. I'm I'm so excited for the Philadelphia Eagles now. The offense looked fantastic, by the way. So Jalen Hurts actually hung in the pocket 
He was able to make all the tough throws. It's very exciting, and it's a very exciting time to be a Philadelphia Eagles fan. We might actually see some success. Uh, Brandon, what is your preseason takeaway here? Um, let's see. Let's see. Uh, I mean, the Eagles are certainly doing very well, um, but I will say that the Giants looked pretty solid in their first preseason game as well. I've talked a lot about Daniel Jones on past episodes of the pod, but I do like what I saw from him. And I guess now is as good a time as any to announce to the, the world here that Jake and I are going to see Daniel Jones in person on Sunday night. Um, $5 tickets to get into MetLife to see Daniel Jones. No idea why people aren't uh, coughing up more money to see him. But uh, I'm looking forward to continuing the hype train in person. On yeah, I'm really excited to see Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon. Uh, <laughs> no, no interest. No Just, interest. I really hope they start because I don't know that I'm going to be able to handle four quarters of Daniel Jones experience. Yeah, <laughs> four quarters out of Daniel Jones. But also, is Joe Burrow going to start? He just didn't he just have a surgery on a appendix? Yeah, he had his appendix removed, but I'm pretty sure he's completely fine to start. There's no reason why he wouldn't be able to. No recovery time for something like that. They'll take him out after a drive. Wow, I don't know. I wouldn't know. I never had a. Yeah, I, I don't think appendicitis is a very serious surgery. He he's already at, back at practice. He, he's doing everything that he was doing before. He's lighter, so he might get more rushing yards. That could happen. All right. That's a great thing. Yeah, I mean, always looking at the bright side here on the Fantasy <laughs> Fallout podcast. Uh, viewer requests. So we have three questions from. Walter from Texas. He is a uh, personal friend of mine. Uh, so first question, uh, what rookies are we looking forward to seeing this year? Uh, so we'll each name one rookie. We'll talk a little bit about them. I'll go first. I'm really excited. So this actually is not the rookie I'm the most excited to see. We'll be talking about them more in the dynasty strategies, but I'm actually excited to see Brian Robinson of the Washington Commanders this year. And the reason why is I think Antonio Gibson is going to lose his job. So it's going to be interesting to see what Brian Robinson is able to do on a relatively decent offensive line uh, with a, by all means, relatively decent quarterback and wide receiver core. Uh, And could he do more than Antonio Gibson did? I mean, Antonio Gibson is certainly more talented, but Brian Robinson at this point is looking, he did not look bad in the preseason. So I'm actually excited and kind of looking forward to seeing him. Obviously, I'm looking forward to seeing Damian Pierce and Isaiah Pancho, Peccio as well. We'll get into them later, though, in the Dynasty Strats. I have an extensive love letter for both of them. Uh, but Brandon, what rookie? Out of all of the rookies, are you looking forward to seeing most? Yeah, I think for a good bunch of them, um, we have a pretty decent idea of what to expect at this point. Um, but the one guy I think was the you know the widest range of outcomes, kind of by far at this point, is Traylon Burks of the Tennessee Titans. Um, you know, at his best, people have theorized that he's going to replace AJ Brown seamlessly. Um, and at his worst, people have already called him a bust. Um, and I guess he could even be worse than a bust if he's asthma actually preventing him from playing. So 
really a gigantic range of outcomes. And it'll be very interesting to see where he slots in on that offense, whether or not he's behind Robert Woods or Nick Westbrook-Akine or, you know, any of the other scrubs that they have um, as their depth. So anything could happen with him. And, and he's one of the guys that I'm most looking forward to seeing week one, just because, you know, the fantasy community really has no idea what to expect. I forgot about Traylon. That is a very, very good answer. Leo, you're going to have to follow that up. What rookie are you looking forward to seeing here the most? Um, well, I uh, wrote out my answer to this question before it turned out he had a hernia that needed to be operated on. But Kenneth Walker, coming from a Big Ten school myself, watching him play all last season, seemed like he was maybe the most talented running back in college football last year. Um, I know the Seahawks have an atrocious offensive line and that could purse definitely uh could definitely hinder his chances at success like it did with Saquon Barkley uh last few seasons but I think in terms of raw talent at the RB position Kenneth Walker is elite that offense can't really afford to be passing the ball too much with Drew Locke and Geno Smith as their <laughs> their only two quarterback <laughs> options um and uh, I think uh, there's definitely a lot of promise there, just 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 based off of talent alone. I know he's not in the best situation, but I'd like to see what he can do, what he can do with it. I didn't think Michigan State was all that great last year besides him and a couple of receivers, but he definitely made it work for them. And maybe uh, Seahawks could be back on the elite running back train like they were years ago with Lynch. Right. Next question from Walter. Uh, this one, this one actually caused me quite the headache to try and figure out the answer. Uh, what is Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's trade value? I'm assuming this is for Dynasty, and I'm assuming your brother is going to be very closely paying attention to what we have to say here, too, Leo. Uh, oh my! This is. I think the single toughest fantasy football question I've ever received because <laughs> Clyde could very well be starting for the chiefs. All of the, all of the noise in Kansas city could be for nothing. And he could be, he could finish as a low end running back one. I can't believe I just said that, but it, it could happen if he is the bell cow in Kansas city. Uh, but I mean, he was super talented in college. But at the same time, he does not look very good in the NFL. And Isaiah Pacheco, who looked like a slower, less athletic version of Derrick Henry in college, suddenly looks like a mixture of Derrick Henry and LaShawn McCoy in the NFL and uh, may take his job before week one even starts. If... Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is the starter week one. My advice to Dynasty owners is you need to trade him as quickly as possible because I do not think that is going to last the whole season. I think you can get a later round Dynasty pick or a flyer on a younger guy who maybe has not seen a ton of opportunities but has decent potential. Uh, like, would you say... I wouldn't even say Nico Collins because Nico Collins is poised for a breakout here in Houston in year two. And he looked pretty decent as a rookie. This is tough to me. I, 
don't know exactly how to assess Clyde Edwards Hilaire right now, I would say at best, you're going to be able to get an extremely low second round pick for Clyde based solely off the potential that he's the starter for the Kansas City Chiefs. Do you think that there's any sort of other trade value here? Brandon, Leo, anybody want to step in here? Because I cannot give a good answer for this. Yeah, no, it's definitely a tricky one. He certainly has a, a wide range of outcomes. I agree with you um, on the ceiling, on the floor. Um, when I was thinking about picks and players um, that I would consider trading or what I think is fair for Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I came up with um, something like the 15th or 16th pick in a rookie draft. Um, and I was also thinking Christian Watson is somebody who I would I think about trading for Clyde Edwards-Alaire, um, you know, like a high variance young receiver. Uh, obviously, running back is is more, you know, exclusive. It's harder to find ones that have an actual chance of starting. So something like that, uh, I think, is a fair trade for Clyde at this point. Um, I, I actually think Nico Collins is pretty good there, too. I mean, you know, he definitely could be really good, but he hasn't really shown that much so far. Um, so, yeah, something like that, you know, of an upside flyer at receiver without much of a track record or like a early to mid second round rookie pick because the upside is still there. And I think as excited as I am about Pacheco, there's probably a, a better than 50% chance that a layer leads the team in rush yards the first week. And that offensive line is pretty good now. So it'll be hard for him to be bad enough to lose that job. If Clyde does lead the backfield week one. Do you hold him or do you trade him? Uh, I mean, if somebody is willing to give you like a top five or six rookie pick for him, at this point, I'm not a super big fan of the talent. So I would trade him and reshuffle the deck for next year. But if he's, you know, getting 18 carries and a few catches from Pat Mahomes, and the best you can do is a late first. You know, if, if I had any chance at contending, I'd probably just ride that out because Pacheco is an undrafted player. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I I'd agree with Brandon there. You know, Clyde right now he's the number one for the Chiefs, and while it, they did go out and get uh, Ronald Jones in the off season, and they got Pacheco, and he's making some noise. I don't, I don't think either. I don't think anyone behind him is more talented than he is. I don't think it's that type of situation there in Kansas City. Um, they're a pass-heavy offense, and he's R projected RB29 right now. So week one, he has a good week, and you're in contention. You think you actually have a chance this season. I don't see you getting rid of him for anything later than a mid-first-round pick. Now, prior to the season, I can see letting go of him for – an early second rounder, especially if you already have RB depth in a, in a dynasty league. But, uh, you know, I think, I think he, he's, his ceiling is still, is still pretty high. I don't think that he's proven that he can't play in the league. I don't think the guys behind him are, are any type of talent to go right away and steal his job. But, but um, I, I agree with Brandon generally on that assessment. 
are you concerned at all that Isaiah Pacheco was already running with the first team in the preseason game? I mean, it's definitely a competition. Um, so I, I'm not really that surprised that they're getting multiple guys, first team reps. But I do think that, you know, if they perform similarly in the preseason, then it'll still be Clyde's job. Clyde was a first round pick. Pacheco was undrafted. Even if that's, you know, unfair or not necessarily smart of the Chiefs to do, I still think, you know, that's kind of how it works. Um, so if, if, if he got all of the first team reps, that would change my mind. But Well, Brandon, uh, bringing up something actually quite similar, another LSU running back who was a first-round pick, similar-ish kind of situation to Clyde. He didn't ever perform up to expectations, although he was much better than Clyde ever was. Uh, lost his job to an undrafted rookie. Do you, do you know who I'm talking about? You're talking about Darius Geis? No, I'm talking about Leonard Fournette and James Robinson. Oh, well, Leonard Fournette um, was on his way out there anyway. Um, and Clyde seems like he's on his way out in Kansas City well, so far. I don't think there's any talk about cutting him or, or trading him. Um, and there's certainly you know, no concerns about paying him at this point. Um, which was really the issue with Fournette. Um, but yeah, no, it, it, it's definitely, it definitely could shape up like that. It's definitely possible. And that's why, you know, Pacheco is probably also worth a second round rookie pick at this point. But, um, you know, I, I would still bet on Clyde for more carries week one if you want to add that to the bet list. <laughs> no, I'm not going to disagree with that one. I do think Pacheco is going to overtake Clyde by the end of the year though and it, I'm so glad you mentioned that he was worth a second round rookie pick because somebody on this podcast got him in the third round yeah it was a great pick it's a great pick I'll, I'll give you that one thank you thank you thank you uh final question here uh let's let's give this one a one word answer which quarterback battle is more interesting Geno Smith and Drew Locke in Seattle or Baker Mayfield who has just announced the week one starter and Sam Darnold uh Gino. So Brandon's vote is for Seattle. Leo, what's your vote? Uh I mean I I have I have some uh, skin in the game when it comes to that <laughs> fierce Seattle QB competition. So I I'll also I'll also uh put my money there. I'm I I'm I'm just gonna play devil's advocate here and I'm gonna pick Carolina because Matt Rule has said. I'm going to regret the quarterback that I pick within two weeks. And then I'm going to switch the guy. And then I'm just going to keep switching. Matt Rule has some crazy quotes. He, he really does. He, he's a very uh, interesting fellow. I, I do think this is still a quarterback competition, even though Baker Mayfield was named the starter. But the real answer is neither. I'm, I'm, I think neither is more interesting. I'm actually going to pick Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh's quarterback battle is probably the best one. Yeah, I was thinking. Uh, I was thinking Atlanta over over these two. That that's another interesting one. Uh, all right. Uh, next viewer, uh, Jeremy, uh, another friend of the podcast, uh, asking one question here: Is James Conner worth his ADP in the third round? Uh, this is, I think, one of the more interesting questions we had up there with what Clyde's trade value is. Uh, what's the case against Cole Komet? James Conner, I think, 
in order to see whether or not he's worth his ADP, you have to look at the players going around James Conner. You got Leonard Fournette, Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, Zeke, A.J. Brown, Patrick Mahomes, David Montgomery, Kyle Pitts, Justin Herbert, and T. Higgins. Of those guys, how many would you actually – how many would you take James Conner over? To me, it's T. Higgins, probably. Maybe – even Montgomery, if I feel the Cardinals running game is going to be better than the Bears, which it probably is, but David Montgomery's always been consistent. So I don't necessarily love James Conner at his ADP. I don't think he's going to lead the league in rushing touchdowns ever again. Uh, and quite frankly, he's always been a guy who gets hurt at least a couple games a season. He always needs a backfield mate. Uh I'm I'm not loving James in the third round, especially given the names that we just listed. Any disagreements on that before we move to the over-unders? Um, I, I like James Conner in the third. I'm looking at Fantasy Pros, ADP, and right in front of him, they have Fournette, Javante Williams, and Nick Chubb. All those guys are better than James Conner. But right behind James Conner, there's Zeke, Reese Hall, and Travis Etienne, as well as like Montgomery, Akers, Jacobs. And I like James Conner more than all those guys. J.K. Um, Dobbins so is in the fifth. I uh, do. Yeah, they have him running back 21 ADP here. Um, but I like James Conner, you know, where he's going. Uh, if you wanted a running back in the third, I would not blame you for taking him. I think he benefits from possibly having the worst backups of any running back in the league. Um, I don't think very highly of you know, Benjamin or Keontae Ingram. Um, there's definitely a workload there. He catches passes. He scores touchdowns. He has been injury prone in the past, but he's had some good years too. So I think he's totally fine in the third. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I agree with Brandon. There's definitely not a line of RBs behind him waiting to steal his job. I don't think any of those guys uh, are going to steal his job this season, but just in terms of, I don't know, talent and and the guys that jake has named who are being drafted around him i I don't think i would take him over any of those guys maybe t agans like jake said but i think i'd take david montgomery over him no 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 question about it and just in terms of whether or not he's a sexy pick because sometimes you just got to draft on gut uh i don't think i don't think james goner is that guy uh for me Right. With that, we'll get right into the over-unders where we were going to each name one guy. Speaking of sexy picks, my guy is Amon Ross St. Brown, wide receiver 24. Uh, he's going right around pick 70. Uh, the over-under, I, I think he's – I my thoughts are very clear on Amon Ra. I think he is clearly going to be – I think he should be going under his ADP. I think he should be going way earlier. I think he's going to uh, be better than wide receiver 24. Uh, there are a plethora of reasons. I think he's going to get 25% of the targets in Detroit. He, he, it's already, he's already been shown in the preseason. He, he's, he's done it. Uh, he's done it for at least half a season uh, with – Every defense focusing solely on Amon Rossi and Brown because there was literally nobody else in Detroit to focus on. 
Uh, and I'm just going to end my part of this segment with a fun fact. Amin Ra St. Brown has come out and he is able to recite by memory <laughs> the exact words of the teams that were drafting the wide receivers before him, as well as the wide receivers that were drafted before him. It's actually a really fascinating video. Uh, it, it was I saw it earlier on Twitter. It, it's Amin Ra literally says word for word, like with the X pick, the X team selects this receiver, their college. He does it for every single receiver that was selected before him. I believe it was 16 of them. And there were a lot of receivers selected for Amin Ra. Yeah. And I just think that's just a next level thing. It's so cool. Yeah, no, there's a pretty pretty good history of any of the guys that can name all the players taken before them um, that I've ever heard of have been pretty good. Um, JJ Redick, Jamon Green, Nikola Jokic. Um, historically, I've had videos like that. They're all really Tom good. Tom Brady. Tom Brady. Sean McVay also has one of those crazy memories um, that served him very well. So, you know, I don't know how much I'm going to have to study that, but um, I, I'm always impressed by stuff like that. Um, I really do take... think it was just a scarring memory. <laughs> I hope so. Um, I, I'll take the under on Amon Ra. You know, I'd probably bet on him being somewhere between like 20 and 26. So I'll take the under on 24. But um, certainly, certainly we'll still take the under there. I believe in the talent. Um, for my guy, I'll do uh, A.J. Dillon, uh, currently being drafted as the running back 23. And I'll take the under on him. Uh Recent quotes from Aaron Rodgers about the inexperience of the pass catching options being a problem for Green Bay. Um, and he's looking to target the running backs more. And when teams have wide receivers leave, um, you know, historic data shows that the running backs are the ones that benefit from that the most. Um, and Aaron Jones will certainly benefit, but so will AJ Dillon, who proved he was a great pass catcher last year. Um, so I think with his receptions and his likely goal line usage, he will probably be an RB 23 or higher as long as he stays healthy. Um, and he's never been hurt in the NFL. This so is, that's I'll a tough one for me. Under 20. That's a really tough one for me, Brandon. And the reason why is, well, I just think there are enough starters ahead of A.J. Dillon. A.J. Dillon, I think I have as my first or second, like second running back. I, I actually have A.J. Dillon. No, he's the second one. I have Travis Etienne slightly ahead of Travis. Third one. I have Travis Etienne and Melvin Gordon slightly ahead of AJ Dillon in my rankings. I have AJ Dillon as my RB30. That being said, I would not be surprised if he hit this under because I do think Green Bay's offense is going to be so radically different from what we've seen before. I think they're going to be running maybe over 50% of the time. Uh, I mean, I know that's tough in the modern NFL, but really. It, it might be necessary for the Packers to see any sort of success in their division. Uh, they're going to need to run the ball. They're going to need to keep the offenses in Minnesota, Detroit, as far as far away from the football as humanly possible. How do you do that? You run. Because otherwise, Justin Jefferson, Amon Rossi Brown, TJ Hawkinson, Dalvin Cook, uh, DeAndre Swift are going to torch you alive. So I can easily see him hitting that under. That being said, I do have Aaron Jones being like the number one guy. I think he's going to get way more of the benefit. So I'm going to take the over on this one, but I'm not very confident about it. 
Yeah, no, fair points. I, I do like A.J. Dillon a, a good bit more than a lot of the running back ones, like on actual NFL teams. Like, I would certainly take him before whoever, Washington, Atlanta, Miami, Las Vegas, Seattle. Like, I, he's better than, than all of those running back ones, and I'm sure there are more. Probably New England. Houston, um, so. maybe. Houston, maybe. I don't know. Pierce is mean Pierce looks so good, though. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he does. He does look really good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, maybe even Philadelphia. Um, oh, yeah, so, that one for sure. Yeah, so I, 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 I think he, you know, it's a definitely an interesting case, but hard to see him busting, whereas those other guys could definitely bust. All right. Uh, Leo, do you have an over-under? Do you want to get right into the dynasty strategies here? I'll throw one out there. Uh, kind, of, kind of contradictory contradictory to what Brandon just said I'd take Ramondre Stevenson in round nine any day it seems like every single day I hear more about him uh earning more of a bulk of the carries for New England uh last season I followed him pretty closely because he was (laughs) he was my RB2 for the majority of the season not a situation you want to be in but when Derrick Henry's going off on the tear he had uh, it doesn't matter so much um, but Ramondre Stevenson was gaining Bill Belichick's trust throughout the season last year. Um, I still don't think that uh, New England's going to want to go to Mac Jones and rely on him so much in the past game in his sophomore season. Uh, and just eye test, he looked like a beast. He was he was pounding the holes, very hard to take down. Round nine to get a starting running back for a team where it seems like he's pretty much won the job. Um, I like Ramondre there. I'm a huge Belichick fan. Uh, everybody knows this. He's the greatest coach ever. I, I'm. I would be absolutely thrilled if all he did was have Matt Patricia be his offensive coordinator and then just run only three passing plays per game, anyways. Uh, I, I'm Matt Patricia is not going to be the offensive coordinator. By by the way, he. I mean he is. Well, like everybody knows Bill Belichick's the guy that's actually doing it. He's really just doing Matt Patricia a favor and giving him a job. Uh, I I love New England's uh, running offense this year. I love both Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson. I will take the under on that and very easily so. Uh, Leo, interesting question. Over under on the number of games where the Patriots throw the ball less than 10 times. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming this... That has to be there somewhere, but we're just going to, I'm just going to arbitrarily set it at three. I'm going to take the over on this. I think they're going to do it four times. <laughs> wow. Yeah, no, I mean, it was very cool when it happened last year, but, but hopefully, <laughs> hopefully they don't have to do that again. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll take under one. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that, especially as a, and I guess I'm giving away a lot about my, my my fantasy team uh here but hopefully that does not happen for my sake mac jones needs to get some some passing touchdowns this season uh i would say it won't happen unless it's i never said mac jones wouldn't be running i mean i mean no he can't he can't really run but 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 he lost so much weight leo but i will say though i mean like it could be over one depending on how bad the winter is up there in new england they could be 
reluctant to pass with Mac Jones coming from a school like Alabama. Uh, I don't remember how he performed last year in the really frigid, cold, uh, snowy games, but um, I mean, I mean, it, it certainly could happen, but hopefully for my sake, um, hopefully for my sake, it doesn't. Hopefully for my sake, he gets, he gets over, over 10 passes in every game of the season. I mean, Mac Jones lost his baby fat. He looks like a track star now. I, I, I can dare to dream. I can dare to dream that the Patriots will not throw the ball ever. And the ultimate euphoria that is uh, the Bill Belichick running offense will finally come to full fruition. Uh, but jokes aside, that was that was such a cool game to watch. And I remember watching it and... I was watching with another guy who's really big in the fantasy football, really, really into that type of stuff. And we were both looking at each other and we were like, I've never seen this ever happen before. And we're never, ever going to see it again. And thinking about that makes me sad. But at the same time, I'm so happy that I saw it. And maybe, maybe Bill will pull another rabbit out of the hat. Maybe he'll, maybe he'll throw for zero times and win 67 to two. Uh, But cherish those moments that's my advice on this podcast cherish those moments because they are fleeting uh on to the dynasty strategies uh i guess my general strategy this year because it's such a weak quarterback class i mean you could maybe have malik wilson and desmond ritter you can throw a flyer on there hope they stick but they were taken with second third round pick no i'm sorry they weren't even taken with second round picks they were taken with like third fourth round picks uh, clearly, the teams are viewing them as projects, and we as Dynasty owners should view them as the same. The only real quarterback that I think should be going within the first round and a half is Kenny Pickett, and that's because he's probably going to be starting by the end of the season. Uh, a lot of interesting running back options, Damian Pierce, Isaiah Pacheco, Brian Robinson, maybe even Zaire White of the, of the Raiders. All these guys could be seeing significant playing time going in the later rounds, but the guys we're really focusing on here, we're, we're really focusing on Brees Hall here because he's clearly a cut above these other college running backs. If you watch his tape, if, if you see his highlights, he looks faster. He has more vision. He, he's just better. And I know you said Kenneth Walker at times looked like the best running back in college. I thought him, Damien Pierce, Tyler Algier, who's another running back I'm looking out for, they looked relatively similar. And then Pacheco, I thought, was a little bit below them. But to me, if any of these running backs is going to be a top five guy, it's probably going to be Brees Hall. And that's me. I was not super high on Brees Hall before I actually watched this film. I was hesitant about the situation and I was a little bit concerned, but I watched his film and to me, he looked like the best running back. So that is the guy that I would want to take. He's going to be the number one pick in your draft. Uh, And I think he's got the best chance. Wide receivers to me, I think are the most interesting in the position. We'll talk about tight end real quick. Tight end, I don't think there's really anything here. Uh, Maybe Trey McBride, though, he's stuck behind... Zach Ertz, Jelani Woods, Daniel Bellinger, Conquo, uh, you're you're throwing dartboards. You're throwing darts at the dartboard. Uh, you're hoping that maybe one of these guys emerges, but I don't think any of them will. 
Uh, but the wide receivers are really where this class is strongest. And uh, Leo, I'm going to start here with you. Uh, if uh, how, how do we evaluate these wide receivers? Because they all look very similar to me. They all are very, very talented. Are you evaluating just by the situation here at this point? Because if you were, I would see, I would say Drake London and Chris Olave have to be the number one and the number two. But if you're evaluating my college production, it gets a little bit more interesting. Um, well, Jake, uh, I think you have to evaluate off of situation first and foremost here. But back to your comment about running backs, uh, college tape, Pacheco, the Rutgers running game was non-existent as far as I'm concerned last year. I didn't see him. Do I, I think you might have mis misheard me. I said Pacheco was the worst looking one. You said, you said, yeah, I know, but I don't know. You said like a step below. And I think to say he's no, just a by step, a below, step below. I mean, a step below, like he, his college tape did not look good. You mean a tier below a tier. You want me to use the word tier? I'll use the word tier. I would, just so I would that prefer. Way. To yes. me, it sounded like you were yes, saying. Yes, like, he looked like, like a, a tier below in college. He okay, looked like a right. tier below in college. He looked like a, right. a plotting slower Derrick Henry. Okay. So, but okay, then. then He yeah, looks good I, in the pros so far. Yeah. So, looking at uh, looking at the wide receivers, I think you have to look at situation here. Um, to me, Garrett Wilson could be top three most skilled wide receivers coming into the league. But on the Jets – He's not the guy I would choose with any of uh, the top three wide receiver slots. I think Drake London's a really good candidate, especially with Calvin Ridley <laughs> out for the entire season. Sky Moore, another one who I think uh, has a lot of potential there with Tyreek Hill not being around. I know Juju's there, but it seems like that number one and two slot is kind of up for grabs. Um, Olave was a beast in college. Uh, another guy, but but isn't uh, Michael Thomas is back, right? He's back week one. Isn't that what they're I mean, saying? he's back, but he's also been out two years. Right. And he's going towards age thirty very quickly. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. Wide receivers can be good at thirty, I think. But yeah, no, I, I'm saying I'm saying Drake London's probably the top guy at wide receiver here. Uh, Sky Moore would probably be maybe number two for me on my board. And uh, I also really like uh, Pick. I mean, I don't like Pickens. Doesn't seem like a great guy, but <laughs> I would take Pickens too over, over Wilson, who I see at, uh, ahead, of, ahead of a bunch of them, just, just based purely off situation. I think, I think it, I think that's what you have to base it off of with, with a wide receiver class like this that's so skilled. Um, any of these guys in the right situation could succeed, except maybe Christian Watson. Apparently, he can't succeed in any situation, but Aaron Rodgers will come around. Yeah, that's no, I, um, I, I was honestly kind of disappointed with where a lot of these receivers ended up this year. Um, in, my, in my opinion, the best situations were – Green Bay, Kansas City, and Tennessee. Um, and it seems like that's where, you know, Skymore was drafted a little bit lower, and then Christian Watson's gotten some bad reviews and was drafted lower. And Traylon Burks was taken in the first round. But 
you know, he's underperformed. So the three best situations have not uh, yielded any sort of, you know, superstar receiver, which is kind of what we're hoping for, you know, at, at the beginning of the rookie draft. So if you have like the second pick in your rookie draft, you're either taking a talented receiver in like an average situation, or you're taking, you know, Kenneth Walker, or you're taking a, a worse receiver in a better situation. So, you know, I think it's a pretty good year to be picking, you know, in the middle or like even the, you know, eight or nine in your rookie draft because you're really not giving up very much value at all relative to the second pick. Um, so I, I traded back in the rookie draft this year. Um, and I'd recommend that for anybody who's about to pick. Um, but like, you know, Garrett Wilson has a bad quarterback and several receivers worth of competition. Chris Olave has Landry and Michael Thomas and Kamara and a worse offensive line and a new coach. You know, Drake London has a pretty good setup this year, but he has the worst quarterback of the bunch. And then Ridley comes back next year to add competition. Um, it's just hard to find like reasons to be thrilled about these guys. I mean, like Jahan Dotson in the first round playing with Terry McLaurin, you know, if you believe in the talent, you know, maybe he's like right there with all these other guys um, because the situations are just so similar. Like Kenny Pickens, excuse George Pickens, excuse me, is Kenny Pickett throwing to him, which is not ideal. Deontay playing with him, but he looks super talented. So it just kind of fits even more into this, na this narrative where the guys with the best situations are less talented and the guys with uh, worse situations are more talented. So I'd rather just, you know, have everybody else choose their guys and I'll pick last. All right. I mean, definitely interesting. I think, I, I think, can we all agree that this is definitely a, a running back wide receiver heavy rookie class, uh, more so than usual, I would say. And I, I agree with the trading back, maybe trading your picks because maybe a lot of the guys at the wide receiver position are similar, or maybe after Brees Hall, the running backs get a little bit more iffy. I, I agree with that. Is that, I think that's a good strategy. You, you guys. Yeah. yeah, I would agree with that. I agree with what Brandon said. It's really, uh, I don't know, in terms of trying to draft and what, and what you said too, Jake, trying to tap, draft talent versus situation here. I mean, it doesn't seem like the guys coming in who we thought might be the most talented are in the best situations to succeed long-term. So you kind of just have to guess. And to pick later, it means less guesswork for you. Something will probably jump out. So. Yeah. Right. Well, um, we want to get in the round by rounds? We have time, Jake. It, it, it's a long episode already. It seems like a pretty long activity. I do think we can get into the round by round. Uh, I think how we'll do this is uh, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just go ahead and list the players. We're doing 10 players per round. Uh, cool. I'll note each of our guys. And if there's kind of really, kind of really anything of note here, uh, we'll, we'll speak on it. Uh, otherwise, I think. We can do it real quick. So 12? That 12 per round? That, that is 12 per round. I don't know why I thought it was 10. Uh, it is 12 per round. That is my bad. Uh, 
All right. Uh, first round, uh, looking at it, uh, ADP ranks are by Fantasy Pros. Is it Fantasy Pros, Brandon? Yeah, Fantasy Pros composite ADP. So they take from ESPN and Sleeper and all the sites and they average it into one. Um, and just what we're doing here, uh, to introduce the segment for each set group of 12 picks, we're each picking a guy that we think uh, is maybe a value pick um, or, you know, kind of just like your guy in the segment um, or in, in the section of the draft. Um, so we should be, we're covering a lot of guys here, but we'll, we'll try to be as quick as we can. All right. And we'll, uh, maybe, maybe what we'll do here is I'll say like round one, Brandon, you'll go over round two. Leo, you'll go over round three and then so on and so forth until we get through the end. Uh, if there's any sort of like outliers here or maybe a guy that maybe seems off, uh, what we can do is we can just kind of have that person explain it real quick. Otherwise, we can just run it through right now. Uh, for round one, uh, in order of ADP, we have Jonathan Taylor, Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, then Cooper Cup, Derek Henry, Justin Jefferson. Najee Harris, Dalvin Cook, Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon. So the Cincinnati players back to back. Then rounding out, we have Devontae Adams and Stefan Dix. Brandon chose Dalvin Cook to be his guy for this round that he he would like, that he thinks can maybe outperform his ADP. Uh, Leo chose the other Minnesota player in Justin Jefferson, uh, who I, and the more I hear about, uh, the more I'm considering as my wide receiver one overall. It seems like he's setting up for a monster season. And then I have Najee Harris. I think this one's a little bit of an outlier because a lot of people are concerned that he's going to be losing touches. But Mike Tomlin, to me, is the guy that tends to run with one running back. Uh, Najee's backup just had a season-ending injury, so they didn't really have anyone else there in Pittsburgh. And uh, Pittsburgh likes to run the ball and utilize their running back in the passing game. So I would not be surprised if Najee ends up giving a top five season. Uh, Brittany, you want to kick us off round two here? Sure. Um, I don't know if we should go through the full round, but I'll just introduce our guys. Um, Jake chose Aaron Jones for his round two pick. I chose Saquon Barkley, who's the last pick in the second round by ADP, and Leo chose Nick Chubb. Um, and I'll just feature my guy here. Um, I really like Saquon Barkley, especially relative to those two other running backs. I think it's a nice value that you're able to get a guy that does not have any other backfield competition with an offensive line that's supposed to be, you know, at least below average um, and certainly a talented player. So I don't really understand why Saquon Barkley is going below these guys by so many picks, but he consistently does. So I, I look for him as a value at the end of the first round or end of the second round, excuse me. And I, I think he's a big reason why you want to be picking at the top of your draft this year, because getting him at the end of the second is a fantastic setup. Right. Uh, Leo, you want to run through the my guys round three? Yeah. What is good? Oh, sorry. Yeah, spreadsheet got a little wonky round three. Um, Jake, you took you took Ezekiel Elliott at uh, 29.7. Brandon, you took Kyle Pitts at 34.8, and I took Herbert at 35.8. I think um, I liked Herbert here just because I didn't love my options in round three. I thought there were a lot of question marks here. I don't think anyone really knows the type of season Zeke's going to have this year with Tony Pollard kind of breathing down his neck. You don't know what uh, he's going to look like. 
A.J. Brown is also featured in round three. It doesn't seem like the Eagles have had a successful wide receiver uh, for fantasy in recent years. Uh, a lot of question marks. I thought going quarterback for the last pick of this round, Justin Herbert's so good. Um, he's pretty quick on his feet, throws a lot of touchdowns, part of a great offense, good coach. That's why I saw the value there. Right. Round four, uh, Brandon and Leo, you both have Michael Pittman, who is the 38th ranked player. Obviously, the upside is there. Let's talk about my guy real quick. Uh, DK Metcalf in the fourth round, I think, is not necessarily a steal so much as he's getting underdrafted because of the quarterback situation. DK, I think, is still going to put up pretty good numbers here. He can put up low wide receiver one, high wide receiver two numbers. He did it last year with Geno Smith. There's no reason why he can't do it again this year. And uh, quite frankly, who else are they going to use in Seattle? They just paid DK a boatload of money. They're going to be utilizing him heavily in that offense. Uh, he may be at times the only person that the quarterback will throw to. Uh, uh, so that to me is baked into why I'm selecting him as my guy. Uh, I think even with his situation, he still is going to perform. Maybe he's not going to be like a top five option, but he's definitely going to be a wide receiver that can help you win. Yep, definitely dependable volume with both Pittman and Metcalf in the fourth round, uh, if you start running back heavy. In the fifth round, uh, Leo and I both selected J.K. Dobbins and Jake selected Cortland Sutton, who was absolutely somebody I was considering for this pick as well. So. I I'm all on board here. J.K. Dobbins is the lead running back in the uh, offense that I expect to run the ball the most in the NFL this year, and his primary competition, Gus Edwards, is hurt. And J.K. is the confirmed starter, actually, uh, week one. So hard, <laughs> hard, hard to see how that doesn't work out in the fifth round. Still really confused by his ADP for such an ultra-talented young player. Um, and Cortland Sutton, I love too. Looks like he's shaping up to be the wide receiver one in Denver, uh, taking some lead, taking the lead over Jerry Judy in the hype train this week. I feel like that was a slight, Brandon. Slight <laughs> against, uh, against not only me, but James Robinson as well. Uh, Brandon, Leo, Sorry. you want to kick us off with round six? Yeah, I'll go to round six. Um, Jake, you took Amon Ra as expected, but I was very close to also taking Amon Ra with, with, with this round. I, I don't know that he'll fall all the way down to round six. With He's going about round four now in most drafts. Yeah, it's, about people are oh, on the train. Right. People, people have caught up on, on Amon Ra, uh, including myself. And then Fran and I, we took Jalen Hurts, I think just purely as a quarterback who runs the ball a lot uh and apparently now can throw the deep ball um and a team that had very few rushing touchdowns by its running back last year uh i think jalen hurts could be rb definitely top three or sorry qb top three quarterback in the league this year uh round six is not too early to be to be looking at him Round seven, uh, Leo, you decided to take Hunter Renfro. He's been a guy that we've been relatively contentious on. Uh, we're not sure if he's even going to be the second option in the Raiders' offense. 
Uh, finished, I believe, as a wide receiver 11 last year. Uh, that also factored in that he was primarily the only target at times. Brandon took Tony Pollard at the end of the seventh round. Uh, definitely interesting situation there between him and Zeke. Can Tony Pollard get more than around 10 touches a game? We'll see. But if history's anything, probably not. And then Dallas Goddard uh, is my guy in round seven. I I'm really excited about the Philadelphia Eagles offense as a whole. I'm excited about uh, Jalen Hurts' potential as a passer, especially after this first preseason game where he showed the ability to hang in the pocket, make the tough throws. And he actually, on his touchdown, hit Dallas Goddard, who uh, ran over several people to get to the end zone. He really is a beast of a man. Uh, I think Philadelphia is going to primarily be funneling their passing offense through three guys. Uh, I think Dallas is one of them. They also love to just have the tight ends on the field. They love the two tight end sets up in Philadelphia uh, based on that uh, offensive philosophy that Doug Peterson has been running, that Frank Reich, and now Nick Sirianni and his staff are running. I, I think Dallas Goddard, he's not going to put up like a thousand yards and like 12 touchdowns like some of these other tight ends might, but he's going to be a value because he's, he's I think he's going to see a lot of targets in the offense. And I'm ex Philadelphia is going to be good this year. They're just flat out good. And I think that you want good players on good teams. And Dallas Goddard is that. With that, Brendan, I'll let you take it off around eight. Sure. Uh, round eight is definitely my favorite round of the draft this year. Uh, it's picks 85 to 96 in a 12-team league. And just a ton of guys that I'm interested in here. Aaron Rodgers, Juju Smith-Schuster, Elijah Moore, Tyler Lockett, Chase Edmonds, Rashad Bateman, Brandon Ayuk. All feel like super high upside players, players with very significant value. Uh, Jake chose Devonta Smith. Um, I'm a little less confident in that Eagles passing attack than Jake, um, so he wouldn't be my pick there, but obviously talented. I chose Rashad Bateman. Jake doesn't like that Baltimore passing attack as much as I do, so makes sense there. Uh, but I love that he's really the only guy in that passing attack at the wide receiver position. And Leo chose Dawson Knox, who is uh, certainly a touchdown machine. Um, and has, you know, the best quarterback of the bunch. Um, but we'll see if he's able to get the volume necessary to uh, to repeat last season's success, which was undeniable. Uh, Leo, go ahead, round nine. Round nine. Uh, maybe Jake's favorite round of the draft, considering this is where James Robinson's projected to go. And <laughs> he took James Robinson here. Uh, Brandon took Christian Kirk, which... I liked a lot. Um, I think Christian Kirk had a good season last year with Tyler, and and uh, I think he there's definitely a potential for him to be even more successful, assuming that Trevor Lawrence takes any sort of steps forward from last year. And then I took uh, Kenny Walker. I'm high on Kenny Walker. I already talked about that this episode. Hopefully he can come back pretty quickly from his uh, – Hernia operation, but I mean, if 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 he doesn't, if he's going to be out a while, then I'd probably change that pick to be someone else. All right, yeah, definitely. Nine round was a very Jacksonville heavy round for our my guys. Uh, it's a little confusing, but you can find value on that team, I, I think. Uh, round ten, uh, Leo and I both chose Alan Lazard as our guy to target in this round. Uh, Really, someone has to catch passes from Aaron Rodgers, right? Uh, 
I think Robert Tunyon is going to get a decent amount of volume when he comes back. Uh, he obviously had that really good season two years ago. But, I mean, Al Lazard, he's the veteran wide receiver. Aaron Rodgers just ripped into his rookies this, this week. Uh, and he's also very notorious towards targeting veterans, uh, kind of like Tom Brady. Uh, what do they have in common? Oh, oh, right. They're Hall of Fame quarterbacks. So I want the number one <laughs> wide receiver option for the Hall of Fame quarterback. And I think that is unfortunately going to be Alan Lazard instead of maybe a more exciting guy like Romeo Dubes or uh, Dubs or uh, Christian Watson. I can't pronounce his name. I'm, but And then Brandon uh, has an inexplicable romance with the uh, New York Giants. Another uh, Hall of Fame quarterback Tony. thrown to this receiver, <laughs> Darius Tony. Right, right, Brandon? Um, for sure. Yeah, I think it's only appropriate that, you know, you guys take Rodgers by receiver one, my quarterback 13, uh, and I take Daniel Jones by receiver one, my quarterback 12, uh, just a few picks later. So, yeah, yeah, uh, he, he loves the Giants passing offense. Really, it's borderline uh, treacherous considering he is a Philadelphia Eagles fan, but hey, I mean, you you can do what you want with my guys. Brandon chose to uh, pick Kadarius Tony instead of Alan Lazard, like the rest of us. Uh, and with that, I'll let him explain round eleven. Yeah, uh, Jake and I you know, finally agree on somebody here in round eleven. Second to last pick, Cole Komet. Uh, just think he's you know so dependable in terms of volume. Darnell Mooney, good receiver, but more of a deep threat. Not going to take so many targets. There should just be tons left for Cole Komet. That team, uh, I believe the Ringer wrote an article this week ranking NFL defenses, and they had the Bears as dead last. Uh, so they've really come a long way. But if they're behind in these games, they're going to have to pass. And Cole Komet, you know, I expect a lot of games with, like, nine catches and just 50 yards because I'm not even that <laughs> sure that he's that talented. And he won't be able to get downfield with that terrible offensive line anyway. Um, but for PPR formats and really just for any formats, he's just going to be so dependable. And Leah chose Sky Moore. That line. Hang on, nine catches for 50 yards. That's ridiculously good for, for PPR and tight end. Sure, premium. sure. Yeah, I expect tight like, end one at that rate. Like a lot of inefficient uh, weeks where he still puts up a lot of points. And like, you know, sometimes it's inefficient because a player is bad. I don't think that's the case here. I think it's just inefficient because the offense is bad. Does he um, score a touchdown? Probably not most weeks. I don't know. I can't imagine the Bears scoring too often. There was a score any last year. Uh, I guess while we're talking about him, the Bears are on right now. The only game on Thursday night here. Um, Cole Komet has two catches for 31 yards, and there's already a highlight video of Justin Fields getting blitzed every single play <laughs> of his two drives. Um, like he it's actually really has Chicago football uh, on every play. Chicago football is already in its season. Uh, Mid-season form. Uh, Mid who was Leo's my guy for round 11? Sky Moore. Uh, Leo's already talked about him this episode, but, you know, super high upside in Kansas City. Indubitably. Um, pass it off to Leo for round 12. All right. Brandon takes Marquez Valdez-Scantling with the last pick in round 12. Uh, I don't Love it. Brandon, do you want to talk on that? Because I'm sure you have a good reason here. I just, I don't know. I feel like he couldn't do a lot with Rodgers as Rodgers is wide receiver two or three, right? And and now he's in Kansas City and it seems like 
he'll probably be the three there, right? I think he had, he, he got the biggest contract of, uh, you know, between Sky Moore on the rookie deal and Juju on the one-year deal. Um, and I think, you know, he, he was a pretty solid deep threat when he was catching the ball with Rodgers. So I expect, you know, a little bit more of the same, but um, obviously the, the gap between Juju and the Schuster and Devontae Adams is pretty big. So I expect a little bit more volume. Um, and I think he's, you know, a nice high upside week to week option. Maybe he has like a four catch 80 yards and a touchdown sort of week more often than he did in Green Bay, just because he's getting, you know, a few more of those deep shots. Okay, I can see that. And then uh, Jake and I talked, uh, Damon Pierce. I mean, you just you just hear stuff coming out of the Texans camp every day about this guy. I think at this rate, maybe he doesn't make it all the way to round 12 if he's going to be their guy and and he's as much of a beast as as he's being advertised as. Uh, I think he's definitely got RB2, high, high uh, RB2 value there and and at that pick i, I think you, you can't you can't miss yeah I think at this point we get uh, around 13 if somebody CD. took him in the sixth round you know i wouldn't blame them like i obviously you probably could wait longer but if you took him in the sixth round be like all right like you think he's the starter starting running backs can go in the sixth round that's great yeah i mean i've seen i've seen damien go in the eighth round pretty regularly now uh, that's probably where i'm going to be targeting he, he did not have a run that was shorter than six yards in the preseason game that he played. He's a, He looks amazing. Right, round 13. Uh, Brandon, I thought you almost picked a kicker here. Uh, I, uh, I would have been a little bit – oh, no, I'm sorry. That's Leo. I almost thought Leo picked a kicker here. I would have been a little bit uh, disappointed. Uh, Leo picked Michael Gallup as his guy. Uh, Brandon, you picked Irv Smith. Uh, definitely interesting tight end option there. If Minnesota is really going to be passing as much as they say they are. I chose Jacoby Myers. I think that he is potentially Daniel Jones' number one option. You're able to get him really, really late. Uh, it could be a nice weekly flex guy, and I think uh, a lot of value there. So uh, with that, I'll let you. Sorry, uh, Mac Jones. <laughs> Who, who did I? Who did I say he was? You, you said Daniel Jones, but I I'd Dan like to talk on. You're, I mean, you're infecting me, Brandon. In terms <laughs> of uh, <laughs> Herb Smith, I think uh, at that spot, he's definitely best tight end left on the board. I think uh, definitely potential for around eight or nine value. The the, the Vikings seem super excited that he'll be back for week one when he did play last year, starting games, he got, he got a lot of targets. He couldn't haul them all in. Um, but no one even expected that out of the rookie season. It seems like he's a guy they're excited to have back. So I, I think, uh, I think if you can get him there that late, not, not take a, not take a tight end with uh, an, an earlier pick, then, then it seems like a, a, a great, great pick. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh... If you if you really believe in Irv, uh, I say go for it. Uh, but yeah, no, I think I think Jacoby Myers uh, is going to be Mac Jones' number one target in the New England passing offense. Uh, uh, we've been talking so much about Daniel Jones; it's really beginning to rot my brain. Uh, <laughs> I, I really just need to to like 
purge him out of my mind. And when the Giants cut him after he does awful this year, and they and they do not extend him because they already did not pick up his fifth year, we will finally be able to put him into the realm of irrelevant backups. Brandon, would you like to take us through round fourteen? Sure, it should be a quick one. Uh, Jake, you took Kenny Gainwell. Looks like he might get a lot of receptions for the Eagles. Obviously appealing. Um, I'm a little worried that Jalen Hurts won't check down so much because he's so mobile. Um, and I do like Miles Sanders, so I don't make this draft pick a lot, but I know a lot of professionals do really like Kenny Gainwell this year. And Leo and I chose George Pickens. Um, probably the best highlights of camp so far of any player that I've seen. Certainly the best highlights relative to uh, ADP. So all aboard the George Pickett hype train, you know. Can I actually change my guy? Sure. Go I'm going to change my guy. I'm going to change it to Trevor Lawrence. I didn't realize Trevor Lawrence was going this late. I think definitely he's a guy that's worth taking a shot on in the 14th round. I mean, he was the number one overall pick last year. He, he, he was pretty much the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning. Uh, and lest we forget, Peyton Manning had a horrible, horrible rookie season and then subsequently went on a Hall of Fame trajectory. I'm not saying that's going to happen for Trevor Lawrence, but he definitely has a chance. And Doug Peterson's a much, 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 much better coach than Urban Myers. Uh, he, and I'm, he's definitely intriguing. So I think 14th round pick, flyer on Trevor Lawrence, go for it. You know, uh, call me a hater. I'm not a big Trevor Lawrence guy. I think he has a better chance under Doug Peterson, but I don't think he will take the strides that you might think. I also think with guys like Matt Ryan and uh, Mac Jones projected to go after him, uh, I think they're definitely, I mean, I think we can all agree they're safer picks, but I think they also uh, will, uh, will, will, will bring in more bang for your buck. Um, all right, uh, Jake, you have Tyler Algier. Uh, Brandon, you have Rondell Moore, which, you know, if it wasn't for me already taking it, two or three of the same guys you took in this little exercise we've done here, I probably would have gone that way too. Rondell Moore is a stud. And uh, with Hopkins out, he's is – it, is it him or Brown over there? It's, it's him, right? And yeah. I think uh, – I think I think him our wide receiver one for the Cardinals. I mean, if you can get him that late, feels like a no-brainer. He's he's a beast. He's they have a lot of they have a lot of running gun guys there now that Brown's there too. But um, I think I think Rondell Moore is a steal a steal that late. And I took Mac Jones just because if you can get a quarterback like Mac Jones uh, in that round. I think I think uh, that's pretty good pretty good value there. Yeah, talking about guys that we like from the Big Ten. Rondo Moore, people don't really talk about his college play anymore, but he was super cool. Yeah. Moving on to round 16, uh, you guys both took Jahan Dotson. I think that might be a little bit of Penn State homerism there. I took Robert Tunyon. We had mentioned earlier he could see a lot of targets coming his way uh, once he gets back from injury. He did have a pretty good 2020 season. I definitely, I think he's worth a flyer at the very least. Uh, if he's bad, you can just cut him. If he's good, then you have another option at a position that is notoriously shallow. 
Brandon, I think uh, round 17, you picked another Green Bay guy to be your guy. Yeah, for sure. Um, Jake took Jalen Tolbert. Uh, I have side receiver for Dallas. I took Romeo Dobbs. I have side receiver for the Packers. Um, and we have took Chubba Hubbard, who could be Christian McCaffrey's backup, um, which is certainly a dart throw worth throwing. Um, I think Tolbert and Dobbs are pretty similar um, at this point. Um, I really like the talent for both players, maybe a little bit more for Dobbs. Tolbert is a little bit safer. But uh, what I like about Romeo in the 17th round or you know, 16th or wherever you can get him um, is that week one, if they're using Randall Cobb and Sammy Watkins and Christian Watson and Robert Tunyon, then you can just drop Dobbs and pick up somebody else. Um, whereas with Jalen Tolbert, you know, he might go like four catches for 45 yards week one, which is really solid for a uh, you know, late round rookie receiver that was forced into a starting role. But you know, that's not productive for you, and it's it's hard to drop that level of production. Um, so I like the high variance of Dobbs. And I'll pass it off to Leo for round 18. And yeah, just to comment on the Hubbard pick there, I think uh I think it just comes from a not trusting McCaffrey to stay healthy this year, kind of getting ahead of the curve, uh, taking him off the waiver wire before he's available, taking him late round draft. Uh, Hubbard could end up being a viable RB2 option if McCaffrey goes down, which I don't think is that unlikely based off his track record. Uh, 18. <laughs> I did the same thing you did. Yeah, I took uh, Young Way Ku, kicker for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, <laughs> he's a fun pick. What can I say? Uh, a lot of fun fantasy football team names can come along with drafting Young Way Ku in that round. Uh, definitely someone else in your league could take him 19 or early 19, early 20. So, you know, there's no one else. <laughs> That's jumping off of the page at you. Young way could be worth a look. Jake, you took Dante Foreman, who could also be Carolina's backup running back. And I I, I think that definitely could play there. And uh, Brandon, you took Austin Hooper, who is definitely <laughs> not sexy, but he could be the guy there at, at, in Tennessee, right? I mean, who else, who else they got for their tight end? Yeah, no other tight ends worth rostering um, there or even worth, you know, considering. Um, and not a lot of wide receivers worth considering either. So definite uh, upside for Hooper. He's the guy Tannehill trusts among his uh, you know, cast of bad options there. Right. Uh, final two rounds. Uh, still no Daniel Jones sighting. I, I have a strange feeling that we're not going to see him here within the top 20 rounds of a uh, fantasy football draft uh brandon if we had an undrafted my guys i'm sure <laughs> but we don't so and, and i don't see daniel jones so maybe maybe you may need to reassess where you have him ranked here uh all seriousness uh round 19 i chose kj osborne uh, adam thielen is kind of getting to his mid-30s he could end up being relegated more towards like a goal line type work where 
KJ is potentially the number two or transitions into the number two by the end of the season. Had a pretty good sophomore season. He definitely has a chance to grow into the wide receiver two op- opposite Justin Jefferson. I will be more than happy to burn a 19th round pick on that. Uh, Brandon, you chose uh, Alec Pierce, Indianapolis. I definitely think he's interesting as a rookie. Definitely could emerge. And then Leo, you chose Odell Beckham, who does not have a team. Who do you think he plays for this year? Um, I couldn't tell you who I think he'll play for, but I think he'll get picked up by someone and the talent is there to be a really, really good bang for your buck if he gets on a roster this season, which I think he will. All right. Uh, Brandon, kick us off with the final round. You stole my guy and I didn't want to like... (laughs) I didn't want to copy you here. Yeah, if this only is, uh, Daniel Jones was here. If only. I, I, um, I, as much as I wish Daniel Jones was here, this happens to be a great round, better than the last few, I think, you know, just by coincidence. Um, Jake chose to say Pacheco, who we've talked about at length, but obviously a crazy value. He could be taken in the, I don't know, 12th round at this point. Um, I chose Nico Collins, wide receiver two for Houston. Um, also a really nice value. He could be taken round 12, 13, no problem. And Leo chose Isaiah McKenzie, who I just added in our last Dynasty League um, for a lot of waiver dollars. Uh, it looks like he's going to be the starting slot receiver for Josh Allen, which is a position that you want to be. Cole Beasley has been successful there in the past. And Isaiah McKenzie is similarly talented, to say the least. Um, so, yeah, that's 20 rounds of my guys, 20 guys each. Um, thank you for your, your patience on that one. And, uh, throughout the season, we'll, we'll check in and see whose guys are doing best in each of the rounds and give you a little update. Absolutely. Uh, real quick, undrafted my guys go Brandon. Um, I don't even have to look Daniel Jones. Leo, you got a, you got a guy on top of your mind. Um, IDP. Uh, Trayvon Diggs. (laughs) Very nice. I will go. I I don't think he was here. Kyle Rudolph. Tight end for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. At least until Gronk comes back. Then I'm going to pick Gronk. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Leo, thank you so much for joining us. It was an absolute pleasure. Uh, Any final words? Thanks for having me on, guys. I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with you too. Definitely, uh, definitely would uh, shout out, shout out, Brandon and Jake. Uh, definitely would recommend coming off the onto the pod, given the opportunity again. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, no, it's it's fun to have fun to have guests. It's it, it's a little corny, but it, it's very fun to do the podcast. Um, I really enjoy it. Um, and with that. Peace out. Peace out.